What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. I was caught into a situation this week where there was some really devastating news. A deep betrayal happened. very, very heartbreaking thing is happening right now where in this family, this, this, this could affect generations. And there is a spiritual war that is, that is happening to tear a family apart. The enemy's there, deception is there, betrayal is there. I'm called in to minister to the person that's been betrayed. And this passage was it's just it's coming on my heart for them. And I want to say this to the to the church here. <clears throat> As we're in Song of Songs 5, in this section that we're in, it's the vision of Jesus, of how great he is. His leadership is pure gold. His arms are are bars of gold. He is altogether lovely, altogether desire. He is my beloved and he is my friend. And she, and, and, and no one compares, right? And so this beautiful picture of Jesus, listen, church, Disciple, you don't know what next week could bring. I could be in your house next week. And your reaction and your response and your ability to handle the pain and the hard stuff, it all has to do with how you view Jesus. It's your vision of him. Whether or not you're going to traffic in worry and fear. Whether or not you're going to be stuck and depressed and overwhelmed. And just like Clay was saying, look, many of us are, are, are born again. Many of us love Jesus, right? And we go into to valleys. But listen, listen, listen. Where we need to be as the people of God. I lift my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. The maker of heaven and earth who will not allow your foot to slip. Who will not allow your foot to stumble. He is always awake. He never sleeps. This is our God. This is who our God is. And for us as the people of God, we've got to begin to strengthen ourselves on the majesty and the supremacy and the preeminence of Jesus. And how great he is because when the trials come. Your vision of how great our God is matters. It matters. She had just been beaten by the church. The watchmen beat me in Song of Songs 5. The watchmen, they did this. And people get offended at the church. Listen. People are in church because they all have acknowledged, I am a sinner in need of a savior. 
That's your starting point. Welcome to church, you sinner. And your pastor's the first, by the way. And we get surprised and disappointed. And we think that this church is Jesus. This is why scripture is so important. Because I, let me just say this. I just, I feel, ju- I feel judged and condemned by that church. I feel judged and condemned by that person. When you have that feeling, and no doubt that may happen, you have that thought, it may happen. This is why we need to capture every thought and make it obey Christ. What does Christ's word say about that? It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if someone in church is condemning you, they're not walking in Christ. They're walking in something else. And so now all of a sudden I can recognize that because my vision of Jesus is perfect. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus is not going to condemn me. He's not going to condemn me. He loves me. So something must be off with them. How can I move close, Jesus? How can I wash their feet? Psalm 27. Listen to David, man. This is such an amazing passage. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Fear had no place. Why? Because his vision of Jesus. He is my light. He is my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me and they eat up my flesh, my adversaries, my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. What a perspective. As I walk in Christ and people come at me, you coming at me, bro? Ultimately, it's going to be they who stumble and fall. Verse 3, though an army encamp against me. Think about that for a second. You're surrounded by the enemy. He's encamped against you. Meaning, when they're camping, they're making plans to destroy you. It says, my heart shall not fear. The only way a heart cannot fear is if the vision of Jesus is what it should be. Fear has no place when we truly see how great our God is. See, when Jesus is lifted up in our life, he draws all men to himself. Why? Because, man, why aren't you afraid? Why, why doesn't that bother you? Oh, you don't understand how good my God is. You don't understand how strong he is. Even though this enemy's camping around me, verse 3, and war begins to rise against me, I am going to be what? Confident. Confident? Yeah, confident. Why am I so confident? Why? Because scripture says in Philippians 1.6, it says, hey, be confident that he who began a good work in you, he will complete it. If I'm not dead, I can be confident because it's not completed yet because I'm not in heaven. If I'm still here, he still completed the work that he started in me. So I can be confident. My confidence comes from him, not in me, but in him and how great he is. 
verse 4. And this is it, guys. This is it. This is a big passage right here. One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze, 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 gaze. That's your vision. The beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Oh, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Peter began to sink when he got his eyes off Jesus and he got on the wind and the waves. So fix your gaze. See, the reason why the gaze was fixed is because it was settled in the heart. There's one thing that I've asked for. There's one thing that I desire. He is the main thing. He is the only thing. He is that one thing desire. Can you say that? Can you say that? Can I say that? Oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me so that you become my one thing desire. Forgive me for going after other lovers. Forgive me for thinking that you're not enough. Forgive me for thinking that you're boring. Forgive me for thinking that you're not going to speak to me. Forgive me. Verse 5, he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. That's a person that's convinced of the character and the nature of God. There is hope arising because of who Christ is. Verse 6, and now my head shall be lifted up. Oh, it's a little song I used to sing my little princess when I would tuck her into bed at night. And I'd lay there, and we'd go through a bunch of little songs, but one of them is, Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory, and you're the lifter of my head. I can't sing, but... Uh, he's the lifter. He's the lifter. He's the lifter. He is. Above all my enemies around me. Bro, they ain't at your level. You might want to put that there. My enemies ain't on my level. That's that Jesus swag. Not because of you, but because of who he is. It's who you're rolling with. It's who you're walking with. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Who's ready to go tackle somebody this morning? I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. Hallelujah. I will sing and I will make melody to the Lord. See, when you begin to sing, when you begin to worship, you begin to focus on the greatness of our God. Your problems begin to go away. Because you're in love. You're in love. Verse 7, hear, O Lord, when I cry, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. This is, this, this is the second time, right? The first time is in verse 4, right, where he's like, one thing I seek after, it's you to behold you. And now you see here, seek my face, seek my face. And my heart says to you, Lord, I do seek your face. Your face, Lord, I do seek. Verse 9, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, oh God of my salvation. Here, here, here's a big one right here. For my mother and my father, my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. 
This is our God, a God of the, 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 the orphan and the widow. He's a God that takes in. When others reject, he takes in. This is who he is. And imagine your mother and father forsaken you. But imagine rising above that because the Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And because of this, because of this, he cries out, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me. They breathe out violence. In verse 13, what a statement of faith. Whatever situation you're in right now, just begin to say, okay, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see goodness come together. Why? Because Romans 8 says, we know, we know, we know, we know, we know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purposes. God, I want your purposes, not my own. And I love you, God, with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so it's going to work out for good. And I'm going to see it in my day. It may not be good for my enemies. But it's going to be good. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. If you don't believe in how good and how great he is, you can't wait on him. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. What a powerful, powerful passage. Let's go to Song of Songs. Chapter 5. You see the vision, the vision, the vision of how great God is, how great he is, how awesome he is. She, he, he, in 27, um, Psalm 27, just completely overwhelmed with the majesty and the awesomeness of God. And here this woman was just beat down in chapter 5 by the church. She suffered church hurt. These watchmen of the wall, they bruised her and they beat her. But then she responds back. At, look at 5.8. It says, I adjure you, daughters of Jerusalem. She's telling other church folk, if you find my beloved, tell him that I'm sick with love. Despite the hurt, despite the pain, despite the church letting me down and not being the kind of church it should be, I'm still sick with love with this one called Jesus. And they respond in verse 9. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is your beloved mother more than any other beloved? Who's this guy you're talking about? Oh, most beautiful among women. They see her as beautiful. What is your beloved more than any other beloved? So why is this guy, Jesus, better than anyone else? And that's an honest question. It's a question for your coworkers, for your people around you. Why do you follow Jesus? Why are you always at Bible studies? Why don't you, 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 you participate in debauchery anymore? And she answers them. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. There's no one like him. You could put 10,000 people in front of me right now. Boom, I can pick them out real quick. Because he's the one that I fix my gaze upon. No one's like him. His head, and what did we say head was two weeks ago? 
Leadership and authority. Head speaks to authority. The first prophecy in the Bible was to Satan where, where God says, I will crush your head. I'm taking away your authority. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me, right? Because he crushed the head of the snake. That's why I like the passion of the Christ scene. It's a good one. He crushes the head. His head is finest gold. There's no impurity. His locks are are wavy and black as a raven. This could speak to the Nazarite vow where, where, where Jesus is just set apart. Jesus of Nazareth where they just didn't cut their hair. Verse 12, his eyes are like doves. Beside streams of water, bathed in milk, sitting beside a full pool. Now, let's be reminded and remember that dove's eyes, he's been calling her that, but she also sees that in his eyes. Christ, what Christ speaks over you is what is yours because of the blood covenant. This is why 1 Corinthians 5, it says this, we regard no one according to the flesh. This is why the old has come, the new is gone. You are a new creation. Everything's new as you stand in Christ. And the things that are in him, people will see in you. One of the greatest compliments I was ever given was early on as a, as a Christian working at a restaurant. And um, I'm, I'm talking to, to people about Jesus. And this girl comes up to me and she says, you know, you remind me of Jesus, but Jesus as a drug dealer. Now... Back then, that, that made me feel good. It doesn't make me feel good any, anymore, but uh, as you walk with Christ, people should start seeing Christ in you. And so these dove's eyes, remember what it, what it means. It means that you have a single vision. That doves do not have peripheral. They only see straight ahead. They can't see what's going on. So there's a single focus. And then also with doves, when their partner dies, they never get married again. They are a one dove woman or man, pigeon, whatever. (laughs) So that's it. By the way, fellas... uh, if you're ever on a date night with your wife, don't ever say, hey, who, 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 would you, who do you think I should marry if I die? Or who, that's not a good, that's a bad date night. So um, sometimes guys are thick, so I'm just throwing that out to you. So what does this represent? It means there's water that's clean. There's no in, hidden motives. There's nothing impure in his eyes. Milk represents nourishment. And so the look of his eyes, it nourishes me. When I gaze upon him, it nourishes me. His eyes also speak of perception and discernment. His discernment is not distorted like ours. When he looks at you, he understands. He understands. Most of the time we see, but our sight is clouded because of past experiences and issues. And we can project because of things that have happened to us. We can project it onto other people, but Christ... He, he, 
It, like, a, like a judge can have all the perfect facts of the case, but because of the judge's issues, he might be off in the rendering of his judgment. Never with Christ. He's perfect in every way. Jeremy, go ahead and put up the elephant slide, please. This is kind of how we walk through life at times. Where we feel like, yeah, that, that person in the front, that's a snake, that's a snake. No, it's a wall. No, this is a rope. And everybody's looking at the same elephant, but they're seeing different things. This is not who our God is. He sees it all. He understands why you're doing what you're doing. The woman that was caught in adultery, they were ready to kill her. They were ready to stone her, but he didn't. He didn't condemn her. And he says to her, go and sin no more. The woman at the well, hey, go get your husband. Yeah, you've had five husbands, and the one you're living with right now is not your husband. But there wasn't condemnation there. There was a welcoming in there because he wanted to give her living water. He maybe understood that. What if she was abused when she was little? What if that guy cheated on her? That guy cheated on her. That guy cheated on her. So she just gave up on marriage. And so she just lives with people now because her heart has been broken. And so sometimes we can judge from the outside, but we don't know what's going on in the inside church I was reminded of what I was talking about earlier because I don't want people walking out of here judging I used to get annoyed with church clothes and I started researching the African-American church understanding that the oppression, the discrimination, and the only time was Sunday. The only time there wasn't field and, 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 and you know, being, being, being filled with, with, with work and, and all this was, was Sunday. And so we're going to go worship our God and we're going to wear our Sunday's best. And you got to understand that tradition carried on. I would just humbly submit, though. We're not in that anymore. And we've got to be careful that our traditions, that we're good and we're right and we're perfect, can sometimes hinder. And that's going to happen here at Bow Down. It's going to happen at every church. This is why we need to see with Jesus' eyes. So we don't want to condemn. We understand why it happened. Seek to understand before being understood. Genesis 16, 13. It gives this name of God, El Roy. You are the God that sees. Our God sees past your hurt. Our God sees past your pain. Our God sees past your fear and insecurity. And he looks right into that and he understands because he is love. And she's recognizing, man, this guy, this guy, He's got dove's eyes for me. They are pure. I'm at rest. I'm at peace. I'm nourished. Verse 13. His cheeks, Song of Song 5, are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. His lips, they're like lilies. And again, lilies represent purity. But they drip with liquid myrrh. They drip with liquid myrrh. Now, the Hebrew word for cheeks is taken from a root word that means soft. 
So there is a tender compassion and a softness to Jesus. Psalm 45 verse 2 says this, You are the most handsome of the sons of men, and grace is poured out on your lips. Speaking of Jesus. In Luke 4.22, it says this about Jesus. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Speaking of Jesus. He is tender, he is soft, and he is compassionate. But also, what's else? There's a purity a lily, which he speaks out of, but it's dripping with liquid myrrh. Remember what we talked about with myrrh. Myrrh is burial spice. Myrrh is, it represents death. That's what they would put on bodies that had died. And so there is a purity, there's a tenderness and a compassion, but there's also words that are hard. I want you to turn to John 6, please. Jesus' words coming out of his mouth are sharper than a two-edged sword, but understand that two-edged sword is grace and truth. Grace and truth. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's that two-edged sword. And so here we see Jesus talking. He's talking to his disciples, and he actually said some hard things. Jesus is going to say hard things. He's tender, he's compassionate, but also he, his mouth drips with myrrh, right? Hey, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. There's, there's hard teachings that he brings, and we're going to see it here in John chapter 6, verse 60. It says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying who can listen so if you're taking note Jesus says hard things he says hard things in context he's like if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no part of me and they're like well man this is really hard but Jesus knowing in himself verse 61 that his disciples were grumbling about this how many of you have grumbled about some scripture before raise your hand Okay, there's four, five, six honest people. Listen, if you, kid, if you follow Jesus, you're going to grumble about his word. Oh, God, it's too hard. I don't want to do this. And where's the focus? It's on you because you love yourself. It's okay to acknowledge that. I don't want to do this because I love myself. This is why we have to understand his commandments are not burdensome. They're burdensome when we love ourselves, But when he becomes our gaze, our vision, the one we're fixed upon, guess what? If we're in love, it's not a burden. I could stay up real late talking to the queen, Colleen, on the phone when we were dating. Oh, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. You know, 1030 rolls around. I'm... Colleen's talking, I'm, you know, I'm sleeping, drooling. What happened? She needs to start romancing me better. That's what happened. I'm just kidding. It's what happens with us, with us all, right? Our love can, can sometimes grow cold can happen with Jesus, where we've been so busy that we didn't even crack the Bible open this week. 
And let me just say, that's okay. It's okay. You're here today. Let's go. Let's go. Let him be your vision. Let him, like, like this is one of your best prayers. God, I don't have a passion to read your word. Would you give me a passion to read your word? I want to be like David, how I love your law, how I love your commands. They are delight to me. Your word is sweeter than a honey on honeycomb. Your word is a fire shut up in my bones. I cannot keep silent. Your word is like a hammer that breaks the rock. My heart is such a rock. Please hit it with your word, God. Please bring revival to me, God. And you begin to press in and ask God. So Jesus, knowing in himself, verse 61, that his disciples were grumbling and complaining about this, they say, do you take offense at this? So this is the second thing, if you're taking note. Jesus' words are hard, and he also knows that they're offensive. Jesus? Yeah, Jesus. Again, tender, compassionate, nice little soft cheeks. But also hard and offensive. Are they offensive to, to hurt? Are they offensive to, to put down? No, they're offensive to expose what's really going on in you. They're pure words. They're pure words. His, his lips are like lilies. They're, they're pure words coming out, but they drip with liquid myrrh. Verse 62. Then, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to, to where he was before? And this is a, a big verse for us to memorize as a church, John 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh is no help at all. But the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and their life. If you're taking note, his words are hard. They can be offensive, but they're life. They're also life. Their life. Verse 64, let's go. But there are some of you who do not believe. For he knew from the beginning those who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned their back and no longer walked with Jesus. So you might want to highlight that. John 6, 6, 6. I don't think it's a coincidence. John 6.6 is a picture of people being offended by Jesus. His words are too hard. And I don't believe the words that he speaks are spirit in their life. And so I'm walking away. I'm walking away. I want you to understand when you walk away in the book of Mark. I love the, 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 the rich young ruler in the book of Mark. It says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said, hard words, give all your money away and to the poor and then come follow me. And the guy walked away sad. Please don't walk away from Jesus. Press in and say, God, I love my money more than you. And I'm having a really hard time giving it up. Please change me. Please help me. Please forgive me. And then come see me because I'll just take all your money. I want to help you. Bad joke. Uh, anyway. Sixty-seven, Jesus said to the twelve, the twelve disciples, right? Hey guys, do you want to go away as well? 
And this is awesome. Peter said, Lord, where, where are we going to go? Your words are hard, they're offensive, but they are eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. I don't have anywhere else to go, God. Your words are true. Your words are right. Your words are right. And so, and we have believed and we've come to know that you're the Holy One of God. You're the Holy One of God. Now, if I'm Jesus, I'd be like, guys, let's celebrate. Let's have a party. Because you're getting good doctrine in you. You're realizing who I am and what my words are. You push past the hard sayings. You push back the offensive things. But what does Jesus do as the greatest leader of all time? Verse 70, didn't I not choose you the 12 and yet one of you is the devil? Jeez, Jesus. Think about that. What leadership conference would you go to? So, guys, here's how you build strong teams, and you get together, and you tell, hey, you know what, staff, one of you's a devil. I want you to understand they didn't know verse 71 yet. So in real time, they went to bed that night, probably with one eye open, one of these jokers is a devil. And they're probably judging one another down like, I know it must be him. It's got to be Peter. He's always loud. Always going first, kicking little kids away. It's Peter. I know it's Peter. So for me, I'm reading this passage and I'm just laughing at myself because I'm like, okay, Jesus, your words are hard. They were offensive. But then it was really good. Good doctrine. Okay, let's stop right here. And then, then he comes back and says, no, one of you are the devil. People get mad at me sometimes when I say, I wonder how many wolves in sheep's clothing are here on a Sunday morning. People don't like when I do that. Chris, don't do that. You're going to. I want you to turn over to John 7, verse 46. It says the officers, those were his enemies. Listen to what he said of his words. No man ever spoke like this. His words are spirit and they are life. No man ever, even his enemies understood that nobody spoke like this. And she's growing in love with the one whose lips are lilies, who drip with liquid myrrh. And she becomes like him in her speech. I want you to turn back to Song of Songs. Please. My sister prophesied today. I guess we're only going to do... So, so we see the verse in, um, in 13, right? His, his mouth is like lilies dripping with liquid myrrh. Now, I want you to flip over, and I want you to see what she says in chapter 8. Look at verse 6. It says, set me as a seal upon your heart. When that word seal is not like a little seal of approval on a package of, uh, you know, chips. Thank you. Um, 
This seal is the kind of seal that is spoken of in Ephesians 1.13, where a seal can't be broken by the king. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And she's saying, seal me, seal me, seal me. Set me as a seal upon your arm. Upon your arm? Yeah. Chapter 5, verse 14. His arms are rods of gold. And she's wanting to be sealed on his arms. Your love, your love, Jesus, is as strong as death. Is that lips dripping with liquid myrrh? Yes, that is. She's beginning to speak and proclaim and talk just like he talks. My love for you is as strong as death. Your love for me is as strong as death. What? How strong? Yeah, the kind of love that took you to the cross. Your love is as strong as death. I will die for you. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are the flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Verse 7, many waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown it. There's this flame of love that's so hot, water could flood upon it. It's not going to even come near it because of the passion. And if a man, if a man offered me an indecent proposal for all the wealth of his house, for my love, he would be utterly despised. She is saying, I would rather have you than somebody give me all the riches of this world. And if somebody tried to trade my love for you, Jesus, with everything this world has to offer, in a minute, in a second, they would be utterly despised. Why is she responding like this? Because her vision of King Jesus is the thing that moves her. He is her all. He's her all. And as we close, where are you today? Is Jesus kind of your side piece? Is Jesus kind of that, that person that you, you heard about that would forgive your sins and, and you just believe in him and you go to heaven when you die? And let me tell you, that, that, is, that is right, that is true. If you repent, you put your faith and trust in him, you will be saved. But was that a transaction that just benefits you? Was that a transaction that was all about you? Or are you becoming so in love with Jesus that you're like, God, I'm all in for you. My life is yours. Be thou my vision. You are the king. You are the one. Everything else is secondary. If anybody offers me anything, it's going to be despised. I can't be tempted away from you. I want to be so in love with you that when temptations come, I laugh. I want to be so in love with you that when fear comes, your perfect love begins to just cast it out. I want to be so in love with you that 
that, that when the circumstances of my life just shatter and they fall, my hope is in you. And I begin to declare Psalm 127, you are my vision, Jesus. You are my all, Jesus. That, that when I feel like I'm alone, when I feel like I'm abandoned, when I feel like people are letting me down, I fix my gaze off of them and I put my gaze on the cross and I see your hands out there bleeding with nails in them, your feet with nails in them, the crown of thorns, blood dripping in your face, the spear in your side, your back ripped out. I see you hanging there, your eyes looking at me because you love me and I want to love you back like that, God. I want to love you back like that. I want to, I want to say to you, I would die for you. But I'm not really there yet. If I'm being honest, I still love my life more than I love your life. I still want comfort. I still want success. I still want the world's applause. And so, God, I pray that you would draw me into your love so that I'm overwhelmed. And I'm lost in your eyes. That you become my vision. That you become my main thing. Help me to respond to your love. Help me to respond to the cross. I love you, Jesus. But I want to love you more. I want to love you more. And I just surrender my love to you. I surrender my heart to you again. I want you to be my passion, Jesus. Come and do a miracle in my life. May your love grow in me so much that nothing else matters. And may I do everything in love. May I do everything in love, God. Please, Jesus, come and do it today. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, worship team, come on up. Uh, prayer partners, come on up. If you need prayer for anything, we're up here to, to pray for you. Church, let's go ahead and, and, and stand. And, and if we could just cut the lights, that'd be great, so that there's no distractions. And we can just focus on Jesus. Jesus, be pleased with our song. Be pleased with our, with our adoration of you. Help us to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, God. And I just pray that if anybody's here today carrying things that they shouldn't carry, I pray that your love would just overtake them now. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Do what only you can do. May we be completely given over to you, the lover of our soul. Bring us deeper into your arms, Jesus. Open the eyes of our heart so that we see you clearly. When that happens, we'll leave everything just to have you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com dot com.